Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, a clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice in which we learn about updates in laboratory testing during the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, Bill, welcome back and welcome to 2021. Uh, yeah. It's great to kick off a new year. It is great to kick off a new year. I think there's kind of a renewed sense of hope that we'll get through COVID here with the, with the new year, but the reality too, that we still have a pretty steep hill to climb. Yes. So, uh, so that's kind of, uh, so it's enthusiasm, but tempered enthusiasm. Good point. And of course we have the vaccine rolling out. Um, we have some new vaccines, one that just got approved. So there are some good reasons for hope, but of course, you know, there's a, a, maybe a little slower rollout. It'll take a while to get everyone in the United States vaccinated. Yep, that's um, right. I think, and, and globally, and I think that's really, again, from the lab side, continuing to stress the role of, and the importance of diagnostics in helping to manage the pandemic as we go forward here. And not just the tests that we have, but also the other laboratory tools that we have to understand the SARS-CoV-2 virus and how it's changing. I think the two big stories that, that continue to kind of play out over the holidays, and it really was a slowing. I think everyone was sort of ready not to think about COVID as much as possible. But challenges with vaccine distribution are starting to come out now. And the other big one was just new variant of the SARS-CoV-2 virus that was identified in the United Kingdom has caused a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of press and a lot of attention paid to that. Yeah, let's talk about that. What are your thoughts on it? And uh, let's talk about how that might impact testing, because that's probably a question on a lot of people's minds. Yeah, well, from a testing perspective, I think it's interesting to, to know how this was identified. So, you know, when we talk about testing and the nasal swabs and the PCR tests or the nucleic acid amplification tests, most of those tests are targeted to a very specific spot on the SARS-CoV-2 genome. So that's how you detect its presence specifically over other viruses. But the other thing that we can do in the laboratory, which is done, is you can actually sequence the entire virus. And that's being done across the globe to varying extents in different areas of, of the globe. And it's something they were doing a lot of in the United Kingdom, apparently. And so by doing this, they, they identify new strains or mutations, if you will, of the, of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And there was one in particular that, that caught their attention. I think it was detected first in November, but really one of the things that, that caught their eye was they noticed that this, this particular variant started to become much more prevalent first in one specific region of England and I think in other areas as well. Yeah, you know, and as a microbiologist, someone who used to oversee vi uh, virologic testing in the laboratory, we certainly know that viruses mutate, especially RNA viruses like coronaviruses. So it's really not surprising that it's mutating. And I think it's exciting in some ways that we have these new tools that we can detect these mutations because they can have significant implications. Yep, for sure. I mean, it's a, and also as someone that you, now I think about you spent time in London as did I, although yeah. more in my youth, yours was in your training. But the interesting thing with this most recent variant or mutation pattern, if you will, uh, is really twofold. Number one is that it so happens that for the testing that being used in the United Kingdom, 
One of the mutations actually appears to have affected the testing for the spike protein. So the nucleic acid amplification test cyclically, as you can explain better than I, had multiple targets. So one of the targets in the United Kingdom was affected by this. So they actually just with their routine testing could actually see with pretty good certainty when they were encountering this because two of the three probes would amplify and one would not. So by that method, they were able to see that this was really becoming a predominant strain in the UK. And it caused concern because some of the mutations that they have identified are in the spike protein, which is the protein that binds to the ACE2 receptor and allows the virus to get into cells, so to infect. In silico or in theory, those mutations could actually make the spike protein bind more strongly to that ACE receptor and therefore make it more infective. So as they, they had that understanding of what this mutation could do, and as they've seen it grow more prevalent in a pretty fast pace in the UK, the concern is that this is now a, quote, super spreader or more transmissible form of SARS-CoV-2 virus that we'll have to contend with. And that's why I think it continues to get a lot of attention. Now it's been identified in the United States and these sorts of things. It's interesting that in the early days, and I think in April, in Spain, they encountered a very similar phenomenon where they detected, as you said, this is really part of the life cycle of this virus is to mutate. So they identified some mutations uh, in, in a strain in Spain, and it, it looked like it was becoming rapidly more prevalent. And so that was, I think, the first time there was concerns around a, quote, super spreader of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. As it turns out, when they looked at over time, they realized it was it was just circumstantial. It turns out the people that had that particular strain just had been in more group settings where the virus was transmitted. So even now, it will continue to be, I think, sort of on this news cycle with lots of ebbs and flows and, and peaks and valleys, if you will. So we don't really know yet if this new variant is truly more infective. We just need time to understand it. Yes, it's, it's one of the challenges of dealing with real-time data. We're still learning a lot about this virus in general. And so I think in my mind, the three main questions that come up with this mutation are, first, does it make it more uh, easily transmissible? And perhaps there's some information to suggest that, but we don't want to go back to the early days where, you know, in the Spain outbreak, it really was just a more circumstance and not really a more transmissible virus. So there's that to keep an eye on. Then there's the pathogenicity, the ability to cause more severe disease. And so I think a lot of people are worried about, will this cause more severe disease in people who get this virus? I would say, fortunately, at this point, it does not look like that is the case. So we'll keep an eye on that. And then as a laboratorian and pathologist myself, I asked the question, as you had already alluded to, will our existing tests be able to detect this new variant over time? Now, I would say that most of the tests that are being used in the United States will still be able to detect it because a lot of them do detect multiple targets. We have a test like that here at Mayo Clinic that detects the spike protein gene, but also detects two other genes. So you'd still get two out of the three, and that may actually be a quick marker to see that this is that this new variant is present. So of course we've been keeping an eye on that here and sending those spike negative two other gene positive specimens for sequencing. So we'll be looking into that. Yeah, it just goes back to the life cycle of this virus and how with RNA and RNA replication, it's you know they don't have the pr same proofreading that you have for DNA. So you get more mutations. Actually, probably I should say the mutations are just as frequent as they would be in DNA, but there's no proof proofreading to correct them. Yeah. And those can turn into viable virus that then spread with that mutation. 
Yep. Yeah. And I think the other thing is we look, you know, here at the first podcast for 2021. I think that's one thing we all look, I think over the holidays, all of us are kind of experiencing COVID fatigue. Mm-hmm. It's Russian New Year's Eve celebrations. They were pretty odd to see Times Square empty. I mean, as you know, as many of us had to make choices around being around family or not and what that looked like, we're ready to move past it. But the reality is, I think we're going to continue to kind of grapple with this. Uh, even just from sharing of information through at least the first three quarters of 2021. We'll have a new administration in the White House, which will have its own kind of approach to how we're going to manage this at a society level. Um, we'll continue to have stories about the vaccines and what they're doing or not doing and, and the virus and what it's doing and not doing and treatments and what's their role. So there'll still be a lot to sort through, which I guess gives us lots of opportunities to continue <laughs> that at least. But, uh, yes. but I think that's it's going to, and the most important thing is, we just need to continue to stay safe. I mean, we have seen rises in cases that we finally have made our way through here in the Midwest. And now I know California and the Western US is really struggling with a, with a lot of cases. So no matter what, we do just need to focus on staying safe and doing the things that we can to try and get back to some normalcy. Because that's really important when you think about kids being out of school and businesses that have been forced to be closed. And these are things we have to work through. And the only way we can do it is by maintaining vigilance and trying to stay safe and doing the masking and things that we know are important. Very nicely said, Bill. There's reasons for for hope. There's that light at the end of the tunnel ahead of us, but we're going to take a little while before we get through that tunnel. And so you and I will continue to talk about all the new things that continue to pop up. And meanwhile, we'll just stay safe and uh, keep encouraging others to, to protect themselves and their families as well. That's right. Yep. And and keep our sense of humor at the same time. Yes. Although I have to say, I don't think that I didn't make any New Year's resolutions about trying to improve my jokes. So, we'll, <laughs> we'll the no, so we're right. still in for more uh, Bill jokes. Okay. <laughs> Maybe yep. you'll sing for us on a future uh, podcast too. That's right. Well, you know what? When we're ready, <laughs> when we're ready to ring the bell that we're in the closing phases of this, sure, I'll break out into song. Uh, I love that, it. That would be worthwhile. <laughs> All right. Great talking to you as always, Bell. You too. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.